Good morning, Return Church. Pastor Chad here. I hope you're having a wonderful Sunday morning this morning. God bless each and every one of you. Uh, just with consideration of all the things that are going on, we've made some decisions about our service. Obviously, we're not meeting this morning. We have suspended all of our in-person gatherings through at least October 25th. We will be meeting uh, with our board this week and making determinations uh, going forward beyond the 25th, but as of now, we know we won't be having service in person next week, and this includes all of our student ministries as well as our life groups through October 25th, and stay tuned, we'll update you soon beyond October 25th. We've also decided to cancel our Thanksgiving dinner this year, uh, just with all the concerns of the spread of this, this virus, and just made the determination it's probably the best thing for us to do right now considering everything that's going on. And uh, we are working on a, a plan right now for us to be able to offer a new member's course. Uh, we're gonna probably do that virtually, uh, working with Pastor Bill, Steve Manneke. Pastor Bill is, is doing better, and uh, as soon as he's really filling up to this, we're gonna uh, figure out a way that we can offer this to you virtually, probably through a Zoom meeting or something like that. So stay tuned, we'll be announcing that very soon. And I uh, would ask that you would continue to pray for those who are sick with this virus. We do have a few that are in the hospital. Uh, most are doing well at this point, but just uh, wanna keep lifting them up in prayer. And we thank God that the Lord has seen us through and uh, bringing healing to those who have been sick. And we're grateful for that. He's sustained us in a, in a great way. And we're, we're very grateful for that. And lastly, I just wanna invite you to, to join us again on Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. We do our weekly uh, devotional on Facebook, live stream, and uh, Rachel and I are work, working through the book of Hebrews. We'll be in chapter four this week. So go ahead and read chapter four in preparation and uh, having a great time as we go through that, that, uh, that book verse by verse and uh, do a very thorough study in the book of Hebrews. It's been a blessing. And I hope that you would join us on Wednesday night at 6 p.m. And so uh, at this time, my wife Rachel is here and she's going to be doing a couple of songs for us, so we'll turn our attention to her. Higher than I, that was being a 
rock and sure foundation. Thank you, Rachel, for those two beautiful songs. They actually tie beautifully together into the message that I'm going to be sharing with you this morning. Church, I know that uh, it's not the same not being able to be here and, and be able to worship together as a congregation, but I pray that these songs have been a blessing to you uh, today and that they lift your spirit and your soul uh, as you were worshiping the Lord along with Rachel this morning. Uh, I have a message that I want to share with you. Last week I preached out of 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And then in our Bible study in Hebrews on Wednesday night, we were teaching out of Hebrews chapter 3. And actually next Wednesday, we'll be teaching out of Hebrews chapter 4. And all of these passages of Scripture have to do with Israel's wandering in the wilderness. And the, the passage of Scripture that I want to preach from this morning also has to do with uh, Israel's wanderings. It's the 95th Psalm. And uh, I want to speak to you today about an invitation to rest out of the 95th Psalm. Uh, the first portion of this Psalm, verses one through six, are about praise and worship. It's a call to praise and worship. And then the second portion, verses seven through 11, is actually a prophetic warning. Verses one through six talk about humility, a yielding heart, a soft heart, and our ability in that position to receive grace. Verses 7 through 11 show pride, obstinance, a wandering heart, a hard heart, and the consequences of disobedience, which is wrath, and the due penalty of God's wrath. And so I want to read through this, both portions of, of uh, the, this psalm. We'll read Psalm 95, verses 1 through 11 this morning. And it says this, O come... And let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. For the Lord is great and the great king above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth. The heights of the hills are his also. The sea is his, for he made it and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is God, and we are his pe the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, as in the day of trial in the wilderness, when our fathers tested me they tried me, though they saw my work. For 40 years I was grieved with that generation and said, it is a people who go against, who, I'm sorry, who go astray in their hearts and they do not know my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. This is the 95th Psalm. And this Psalm is often referred to as the Venite. It's the Latin word, for come, it's known as the Venite. And that word Venite is where we get our word invitation. This is a psalm that invites us to come and to worship the Lord. It's a contrast 
of the worshiping, believing heart and those who are full of complaining and disbelief. We talked about uh, complaining a little bit last week and it is an attitude of disbelief. We talked about how it is returner's language that when we start complaining about where we are and what God's not doing for us, we, we start looking back and thinking that where God has brought us from is actually better than where he has brought us to. And complaining is returner's language. We don't want to go back. We want to go forward with God. Amen? And so praise and worship is the way that we enter into the presence of the Lord. It also helps us to be able to hear the voice of God. Worship facilitates our ability to hear the voice of God. It's made plain here in this passage of Scripture. In this passage of Scripture, especially particularly in verse 6, it, it points out three different postures of worship. It actually gives them in, in uh, the reverse order. It, it says to worship, kneeling, and then bowing. But I wanna, I wanna go work backwards from that. I wanna talk about bowing first. It, it literally means to lower the head or to lower the upper torso. And it's of the three, this is the most simple form of worshiping before the Lord. And then it moves to kneeling, which is to bend the knee. We have to lower ourselves completely, to, to go to the ground and to, to, to bend our knees and kneel before the Lord. But then there's a, a, a uh, it, it says that we are to worship. This is the real depth, and the word there, it, it literally means to stretch oneself out full length upon the ground, to, to prostrate oneself. This is the proper attitude for adoration. He calls us to worship, to prostrate ourselves, and, and we don't like to do that. that that's, that's not always a comfortable position. It's not, it's not always dignified. It, 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 people think things, may, may think strange things of us when, when we lay before the Lord. But this is actually a, a, a place of depth and, and, and a place that God, I believe, brings us to oftentimes as, as we worship him. In, in, in Revelation chapter 1, verse 17, John actually says, he says, When I saw him, I fell as though I were dead to the ground. He prostrated himself before the Lord. There are simply moments for us as believers where the only thing that we can do is worship, to prostrate ourselves before him. Have you ever been so impacted by God, by his presence, that you literally had to go to the ground, that you literally had to lay before the Lord? I remember the, 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 the night that God delivered me. I remember that, that, I, that God took me down to the ground. I literally laid before the Lord and worshiped. It was an amazing experience, an amazing encounter with God that night. And I walked out of a building totally free from something that had gripped my life for years, something that I had been struggling with that I didn't know that I could get free from. But as I prostrated myself in the presence of God, as I worshiped, I had an encounter with God that was so impacting that it marked me and forever changed me. There are some moments for us as believers, where the only thing that we can do is worship. The only thing that we can do is bow down and prostrate ourselves before the Lord. This psalm calls us to worship. There's a minister named Mike Heron, and he said this about this psalm, he's commenting on this psalm. He said, worship is introduced as a means of softening and conditioning the heart to be in a position of faith when God speaks. I think that's well said, and I think it's illustrated throughout this psalm. Worship conditions our heart to be in a position of faith 
whenever God speaks. It's important for us to understand that. There are four things uh, that I just want to point out to you about the worship and the call to worship in the first few verses of this. First of all, it calls us to sing. It calls us to sing, and we, we need to sing. I, I, I think in the dark season that we're going through, in this wilderness season, in the season of uncertainty that we're experiencing with, with viruses and election cycles and destruction of cities and the things that we're experiencing, uncertainties about jobs, the uncertainty about our health, family members who might be sick, or even a family member that might be in the hospital today, God wants us to sing. I want to encourage you this morning. I want to call you this morning to lift up your voice and sing. Maybe after this message, go and put some praise and worship music on this, 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 this afternoon and, and just sing unto the Lord. Sing past your cares. Sing past all of your pains. Sing past all your worries and concerns. Sing and allow the Lord to lift your spirit above all of these troubles and all the things that are concerning you, all the problems that are going on in this life. Singing can lift our spirits. Singing can flood our hearts with joy, even in a dark, dreary day. God can fill our hearts if we'll lift our voices and sing to him. I worked with a pastor, his name was Rick Gonzalez. He pastored, it was a bilingual church in San Antonio, Texas, and Rachel and I had the privilege of working there for a couple of years with Pastor Rick. And he used to tell me all the time, he said, whenever Bertie, his wife's name was Bertie, and he said, whenever Bertie gets down, I always remind her, Birdie, the, the birds have bills, and yet they still sing. We need to sing. No matter what kind of trouble we're going through, we need to sing. And there's a reality in that. We need to sing. I, I read a quote this week, and it says, you know, that, that, that the boat won't sink as long as the water is on the outside. It's when the water gets on the inside that we begin to have trouble. And that's the reality. If we can keep our troubles on the outside, we won't sink. Noah and his family, as long as they were in the ark, they were safe. As long as they were inside that boat, they were safe. God gave Noah instructions when they built that big vessel. He said to pitch it on the inside and the outside, and they used this, this tar-like material to coat the surface of that boat, and that, that tar, the pitch that they applied to the, the surfaces of that boat, it kept the water from getting into that boat, and that boat rose whenever the, the rains came down. When the floods came, that ark floated because it had been pitched, it had been sealed. And I believe that's what praise and worship does for us as believers. It seals our hearts. If we worship and magnify the Lord, it is like pitching the, the vessel of our life and we uh, will not sink whenever we have been worshiping and praising the Lord. It will lift our spirits above all of the floods, above all of the circumstances, above all of the things that come against us. And so we need to sing. I want to encourage you in this desert season, in this coronavirus season, to lift up your voice and sing. The second thing that this song compels us to do is to shout. It tells us that we should shout. This is exuberance. This is a joyful affirmation, uh, affirmative type expression. We need to shout with joy. The Bible says in Joshua chapter 6, verse 16, that after they had marched around that, 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 the, the walls of that city seven times, that they were to shout, because the Lord has given you the city. Amen. We need to shout. 
We don't, don't let the, the devil steal your shout. You need a shout of victory. You need a shout of triumph. You need a shout of praise. Every once in a while, I mean, just driving down the road in my car, I just let out a whoop or a war, a war cry, a holler, a triumphal shout, a, a scream, a declaration of victory. It does something for my soul. It lifts my spirit. Amen. We need to shout because it will encourage us. We need to shout because God's given us the victory. We're admonished all throughout scripture and we see the men of God all throughout scripture shouting with the shout of triumph. And I just wanna encourage you to shout. The third thing out of this first few verses that I wanna encourage you with is thanksgiving. It calls us to be thankful, to have gratitude. As I read that, I thought about the 10 lepers. You remember the 10 lepers? The Lord healed them. And they all went on their way, but one of them came back and he thanked the Lord for healing him. There was gratitude in his heart. And the Lord said to him, your faith has made you whole. I, th- I believe that when Jesus said that, he was speaking of more than his physical body. Yes, he had been healed of leprosy, but that wasn't even the, the totality of what Jesus was talking about. When he said your faith has made you whole. You see, gratitude is a sign of wholeness. Whole people are grateful. And whenever we can express thanksgiving, it does something for us. I've never seen a grateful person who was bitter. I've never seen a grateful uh, person who was discouraged. I've never seen a, a, a grateful person who is a complainer or a nagger or a backbiter. There's something about gratitude that signifies that a person is whole. Jesus says to this man, the one leper, weren't there 10 of you, where are the other nine? And he says to this leper, your faith has made you whole. We need to be grateful. Grateful produces something on the inside of us and, and we need that. It, it, it solidifies us, it, it, it grounds us, it strengthens us. The fourth thing that I, I wanna point out, it says shout joyfully with psalms. There's a call to, to, to shout joyfully with psalms. The psalms are important. I, I love our worship, I love contemporary worship, but I love the psalms as well. You know, a lot of our songs today, they're about us and how we're feeling and what the Lord has done for us. But the psalms, they testify of the goodness of God, of the character of God, of who God is. There's great doctrine in the Psalms and we need to not forget the Psalms. We need to shout joyfully the Psalms. I wanna read a passage in Ephesians chapter five, verses 18 through 21, and listen, it says, do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in Psalms, there it is, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. There it is, there's an admonishment to psalms, to spiritual songs, to singing, making melody in your heart, being thankful. Listen, we, we, we need not forget this as, as Christians. This is our lifestyle. You know, it, it can be a drag. We're, we're not able to come together. We're not able to come together and sing together and exalt the Lord together and worship together. That does so much for us. 
It lifts me. It's powerful to be able to come together with the people of God in the house of God. And we're missing that right now. But we can do this in small groups. We can do this in our homes. We can do this at our dinner table. We can do this. I love when my wife gathers our kids around the piano and plays the songs of the Lord, plays the Psalms. My, my wife loves to put the Psalms to music and to find those old hymns that are really just old Psalms and bring them out and sing them to our children and tell stories about what, what the Lord had done in her life and what she experienced as a child and how God moved in her life. That does something for us. It edifies us. It does. It builds us. Worship will still and anchor our wandering hearts. And so this is the invitation. Come and worship. Come and bow down before the Lord. Come and kneel. This is the call. In this psalm, Jesus is referred to as the rock of our salvation. He's the rock that we're worshiping. We're worshiping Jesus. It's all about him, and we need to remember that. You say, I don't like that song. I don't like this worship style. Listen, it's not about you. We're not worshiping you. I'm sorry you don't like the music, but it's not for you. It's for Jesus. Don't despise someone else's offering. Don't despise someone else's praise. Just because they may sing with a different melody or a different style or different lyrics, if they're exalting Jesus, it's nothing to be despised. We're worshiping the rock. We preached about that rock a little bit last week. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse four, it says they all drank the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. We need to remember that this, this Psalm, this 95th Psalm is speaking of the wanderings of Israel in the wilderness. Under Moses' leadership, they wandered for 40 years. They weren't able to enter into the promised land for 40 years. An entire generation missed opportunity. And the Bible said in that passage we read last week that they fell dead in the wilderness because of their disobedience and unbelief. You think about that. It happened in the place called Rephidim. We talked about this a little bit this past Wednesday night in our Bible study, but this happened in a place called Rephidim. And they actually twice disobeyed the Lord, once at the beginning of their wanderings and once at the end of their wanderings. At year two and at year 38, they, re they rebelled against the Lord. But in Rephidim, in, in, in the second year of their wanderings, two years after God had parted the Red Sea, after all of his faithfulness, feeding them, bringing manna, bringing provision. You think about this. The Bible says they wandered for 40 years and their, their, their shoes did not wear out. What a miracle of provision. God took care of every need that they had. But two years in, at this place called Rephidim, we, we find them in a place of rebellion. God had told Moses... And, and, and then this, this, this line right here, there, there's a, a great example for us as leaders. God told Moses to walk on ahead of the people. As leaders, God calls us to walk ahead of people. And that's every one of you. I don't care where you're at, what level you're at, where you are in life. God's calling you to walk ahead. Maybe it's your children and your family. Maybe it's the people that you work with that don't know Jesus yet. God's calling us to walk ahead of somebody, to lead, to be out in front, to set an example, 
Christian, you ought to be able to be living a life that is worthy of following. Can you say what the Apostle Paul said? Follow me as I follow Christ? Are you living a life worth following? God's called all of us to lead. And it starts with following. We follow him and then we lead others to him. God's calling us. The Bible says God, that, that, that Moses, God told Moses to walk on ahead of the people and to take some of the elders with you. You see, we can't go alone. We need to bring people. I need people to, to, to walk with me. I need brothers and sisters to affirm me. I need peers who are pastors and ministers. I need overseers in my life to hold me accountable. We can't walk alone. Don't think that you can do ministry alone. Don't think you can do what God's calling you to alone. He said to take the elders with you. And then he says, take in your hand the staff. That speaks of authority. God gave Moses authority to lead his people, and God has given you authority. These are reminders to us today, church. And then he says, strike the rock, and water will come uh, out for the people to drink. Amen? And I believe this speaks of pointing people to the cross of Jesus Christ. You know that Jesus, the rock, was smitten on that cross once and for all. Never has to be done again. You remember that when Moses, he got angry and he smote the rock twice and it kindled the anger of the Lord against Moses. Why? Because Jesus has done it once and for all. It's a picture to us that what Jesus did is sufficient and finished and everything that we need. Amen? What Jesus did was an effective work for our salvation, for our redemption, for the forgiveness of our sins, for the healing of our sicknesses and all of our infirmities and disease. What Jesus did that one time, it was the final sacrifice. And it speaks to that for us. In, in Moses' anger, he struck the, the, the rock twice. We are never to strike the rock again. The blow has been delivered and Jesus has experienced that once and for all sacrifice upon the cross. Now we're called to joyfully shout to the rock and sing to the rock of our salvation, to bow before him, to prostrate ourselves before him and worshiping, no longer striking him, but worshiping him. Because he said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. It's a picture of the cross. You think of all the wonders that God did for the people. God spoke to Moses. He said, go out and walk ahead of the people, lead the people, take your staff with you. I've given you authority. And he did many works through Moses and his ministry. Many great miracles of provisions that, that, that Moses and the people experienced. And yet the people rebelled against God. The Bible tells us that, and this is in the, the uh, 17th chapter, chapter of Exodus, it tells us that they argued with Moses. Listen, if God's put a leader in your life and you're arguing with him, you're going against the delegated authority of God. We need to understand that. The Bible tells us that, that we are submit to, to submit to the leaders that he put in our lives so that it would be a joy for them. This is what Hebrews tells us. So that it would be a joy for them to lead us and not grievous. That's what the Bible instructs us to do. But these people argued with Moses and they tested, the Bible says, they tested God. 
Testing God, we talked, we talked a little bit about this, I think last Sunday and on Wednesday night, but, but testing God or tempting God is trying to coerce God to do what we wish. Your way is not good enough, God. Why don't you do it my way? Have you ever tried to advise God? Job tried to. And God said to Job, as soon as you opened your mouth, you darkened my counsel because your words lack wisdom. Who in the world are we to tell God how it should be? Think about it. Don't grumble about your circumstances. Don't complain about the way that God might be leading you. Well, God, why have you brought us here? Have you brought us out into this wilderness that we should die? They tested God, they tempted God. We need to learn to trust God. David Cook would say, trust God even when you can't trace him. Even when you don't understand what he's up to, you need to obey and surrender and yield to him for he is God. Trust God and come before his presence with gratitude. Can we come before God even in dark days, even in trying circumstances with gratitude and thanksgiving? This is what God calls us to do. The Bible says in Exodus chapter 17, verse seven, that Moses called the name of the place Massa and Meribah because of the contention of the children of Israel and because they tempted the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? The word Massa and Meribah, it means testing Yahweh. Massa means testing Yahweh. Meribah means quarreling, exasperation or contention. Why? This place called Rephidim, which is a place of rest. Rephidim literally means rest. God brought them to a place of rest, and they turned that place into a place of quarreling and testing God. Don't turn your place of rest into a fight or contention. Listen, God wants us to have peace. God wants us to have rest. Amen? That's what God's called us to. Rephidim means resting place. God's calling us. I said at the beginning of this message, this is the invitation to rest. God's invitation for us to rest. Rephidim means a resting place. Don't turn the place that God intended to be a place of rest into a place of quarreling and testing. Hear his voice and obey it. If we just learned to do that, it would take care of every problem, every issue that we have in life. If we could just hear his voice and obey They got the water that they complained about and begged for. However, they missed out on the greater blessing of entering into Canaan. You think about it. Listen, God's got a better plan. You may not understand all the circumstances and situations. You may not understand why he's leading you the way that he's leading you, but he's got a plan. Just go through it with gratitude, with surrender, with yielding, with with trust in your heart, and it's going to work out. Rest is the ultimate Venite. As I said, this 95th Psalm is called the Venite, in Latin, to come, or the invitation. The the invitation to rest is the ultimate invite. It's the ultimate Venite. Jesus said, all of you who labor and who are heavy laden, come to me and I will give you rest. Hebrews chapter four, speaking of this 95th Psalm, teaching and elaborating, the the, the writer of Hebrews elaborates on this 95th Psalm and uses it 
to show these people that the danger. They're thinking about forsaking their decision to follow after Christ and go back to their old ways, going back to Judaism and the Levitical system and all those sacrifices of the priesthood. And he's, he's, he's warning them, look, if you go back to that, you're gonna miss out on the rest. He says, let us therefore be diligent to enter the rest. This is Hebrews chapter four, verse 11. Least anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. Talking about those who were wandering in the wilderness and their disobedience because they could not obey God, because they could not hear his voice and yield to it, because of the disbelief in their heart, because of their wandering hearts. They missed out on the rest that God had really planned to provide for them. The great and powerful verse to me as I read through this 95th Psalm is verse seven. And I just lift this phrase from that verse. It says, oh, that you would listen to his voice today. Oh, that you would listen to his voice today. That word today, when you look at it in the original language, it's, 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 it's the moment of hearing God's word. It is a moment of grace. It's a moment that requires obedience from us. Hearing God's voice evokes a response. The writer in Romans says that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. There's a difference in hearing and having heard. I've got some teenagers in my house. Sometimes they hear me, but they don't hear me. Son, today while I'm at work, I want you to mow the yard, and you come home and the yard's still overgrown. You go in the house, what do you say to your son? Son, I asked you to mow the yard, didn't you hear me? What does he say? Yeah, Dad, I heard you. See, they heard you, but they didn't hear you. The way that we grow in our ability to hear is by obeying what God says. Sometimes we're asking God to speak to us and God's just saying to us, hey, I'm still waiting for you to do the last thing that I spoke to you. I already gave you some instructions. I'm just waiting for you to obey. Yeah, I'll speak to you after you do what I've already told you to do. You see, there's a difference in hearing and having heard. Oh, that you would listen to his voice today. God's speaking today. And it's a moment that requires Response. I'm going to wrap up with these four things. This is the right response to this invitation. God's inviting us to enter into his rest quickly. Here are four things that we must do. Number one, we must have courage and confidence. Read Hebrews chapter 3, verses 6 and 7. And in that passage, it says we must hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of hope firm till the end. We must have courage and confidence. Number two, we must remain faithful and trusting. We must remain faithful and trusting. In Hebrews chapter three, verses 14 and 15, it says, for we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. We must remain faithful and trusting. Number three, we must believe him. Hebrews chapter three, verse four, 
It says, for we who have believed do enter that rest. We who have believed. The, the, the key is simply believing. Do you believe him? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he that, that comes to him must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We must, or I'm sorry, we who have believed do enter that rest. As he has said, so I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. They could not enter their rest, his rest, because of disobedience, because of disbelief. If we believe, we can enter into his rest. And so we must believe him. And number four, we must daily listen and obey. Church, I want to encourage you to tune your ear to heaven. Strive to hear the voice of God. Clean your ears out. Do whatever it takes. Today, Hebrews 4, 7 says, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. I think it was Spurgeon who said we can do absolutely nothing ourselves to soften our hearts, but we can harden our hearts. We can harden our hearts. How? Through rebellion, through unbelief, by refusing to hear and obey what God's saying. Our hearts are hardened. How, how is a man deceived? The Bible talks about self-deception. How, how, how are we deceived? That James tells us, he says, we hear the word of God and we don't do it. And we deceive, James says, our own selves. That's self-deception. How can men stand in pulpits today and say it's okay for one man to marry another man? They are deceived. Not because they don't have the truth, but because they have rejected it. They've been to seminary and heard the word. They've read the word for themselves over and over and over again. But their continual rejection to let God be God and what he says to be true has put them in a place of self-deception. Anyone who would stand in a pulpit and say anything contrary to what God has said is deceived. How do we get to that point? By simply rejecting what God has said. Today, we must hear his voice. Oh, that you would listen to his voice today. This is the ultimate venite. This is the ultimate invitation. Hear his voice. We can't soften our hearts, but the Holy Spirit can. In and of ourselves, we can't. We're hurt, we've been rejected, we have unforgiveness in our heart, but if we yield ourselves, if we answer this venite, come and worship. Come and bow before the Lord. Come and kneel before him with shouts and thanksgiving and psalms. In the presence of God, I'll go back and I'll read this quote from Mike Karen one more time. If I can find it. I think I can. He says, worship is introduced as a means of softening and conditioning the heart to be in a position of faith 
when God speaks. God's invited us to rest, to have rest in him, to hear his voice and obey what he says, to live a life of faith. Amen, church, I wanna pray for you. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, Father, I pray that you would lift us up. I think of the verse in the 13th chapter of Hebrews, Lord, that you would strengthen the weak knees, the faint hearts. Father, there's so much that has encompassed us, whether it be job situations, the economy, the politics of our nation, the conflict that we see in our nation, the the virus that seems to be surrounding us, sickness and disease, all kinds of trouble in this world. But Father, we just declare right now, Lord, you are God. You are greater than all of it, Lord God. We look to you, Lord. You are the rock of our salvation, Lord God. And so we choose to worship you, Lord God. Father, I pray that in our worship, in our time before you, in our rejoicing, in our thanksgiving, Lord, in all that we bring to you as a sacrifice of praise, Lord God, I pray that you would bless your heart, and Father, that you would move upon us, Lord God, and that you would heal our hearts, Father, that you would soften our hardened hearts, Lord God, and that you would settle and still our wondering hearts, O oh God, that, Lord, we might be found faithful, Lord God, that you would do a work in us, Lord God, that we would be steadfast and immovable and always abounding in the work that you've called us to do. Father, I thank you, Lord. Encourage us today, Lord. Encourage Return Church. Encourage every member today, Lord God. Strengthen us together today, Lord God. Lord, you have a plan and a purpose for us, and you're working it out, Lord God. Let us not lose sight of that. You are leading us, and you will not forsake us. You haven't brought us out here to this place. You haven't taken us to the wilderness for us to die in the wilderness, Lord God. You're taking us to the promised land, and we thank you. Lord, allow us, by your grace, as we submit our hearts to you, as we yield Allow us to enter into your rest. We thank you for it, and we give you praise in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless your return, church. I can't wait for us to get back together again. We will not be meeting next Sunday in person, but we'll be back here live streaming. And uh, stay tuned. We'll have announcements uh, coming soon about when we will be getting back together. God bless each and every one of you.